Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, and I'd like to welcome you to another self-coaching session where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's anxiety, depression, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. And each week I answer real-life questions submitted to me from my website, selfcoaching.net. Today's question comes from Helen, and she writes, No matter what I start, I always come up short. I just seem to run out of gas. I'm not sure why this happens. I just seem to sabotage myself. It's getting to a point where I'm afraid to try anything new. I'm not sure if it's because I'm anxious, depressed, or simply just a weak person. What advice can you give me? Well, Helen, let me start out by asking Pogo, the comic strip character, to give his advice. And what Pogo said way back in 1970 is, we have met the enemy, and he is us. So what we need to talk about today is how you become your own worst enemy, how you hold yourself back. You see, life doesn't stop us from reaching our goals. You do. And the way you do that is with self-distrust. Pessimism, negativity, fear. So whatever the circumstances of your life that frustrate you, you need to know there's always a way. Now, of course, when you're not seeing the way forward, that just seems like empty words. But trust me, there's always a way. If you can't get in the front door, what about the side door? What about the back door? What about the windows? There's always a way for someone that pursues the way. But there is a caveat. Yeah, the way toward any goal exists. But in order for you to reach that goal, what's really important is that you need to be tenacious. Okay, so what's, what's tenacious? Well, the dictionary defines tenacious as holding fast, persistence, stealing yourself against these circumstances that would otherwise thwart your efforts. Now, there's three components to reaching your goals. The first, let's call it a willingness to believe a willingness to believe that you can. But let me change that a little bit and say a willingness to risk believing that you can. Because typically with the beginning or the initiating of a journey toward one's goal, especially if there's insecurity at play, there's this uncertainty, this fear. And it prevents us from really in our gut feeling that we will prevail, that whatever it takes will get there. So this, this kind of breaking effect 
makes us feel hesitant about believing in us, in our efforts. And that's why I use the word risk. It's really not risky, but it feels risky. You know, if you're a relatively insecure person and you're wanting or expecting yourself to perform and reach that brass ring, you're going to feel a bit shaky at first because you're not used to seeing yourself completing the task, winning that trophy, getting the degree or the job or the person in your life, whatever it might be. You're not used to imagining that outcome. So the first step or the first of the three components in reaching your goals is a willingness to risk believing in yourself. Now, I used to do a lot of hypnosis when I first started practicing psychology. And I can tell you that the reason hypnosis works isn't because it's a trance or anything mystical. It works because the hypnotist is able to get you to believe in the hypnosis. And this is my take on it. Of course, there, there will be many others who will disagree with that. But I know when I used to do hypnosis, to me it was critical to sell the notion that hypnosis was happening. So the doubtful person, the person looking to lose weight or stop smoking or feel better, that they would come in for hypnosis because to them, hypnosis was going to, you know, pick up the slack where they couldn't reach the goal. The hypnosis would. So if you convince somebody, whether it's through hypnosis or some other means, that something can happen, if they believe that they can, if hypnosis convinces them that now they can stop smoking or now they can avoid those sweets and starches, well, it's going to work. It's the belief. If you embrace it, you become it. So what you believe is what you become. So starting right now, try to begin to cultivate, even if you can't understand it, I want you to act as if you are someone that can believe that you can reach your goals, whatever those goals are. And we're going to talk a little bit about how to reach those goals, but start out from the very first step, believing, believing that you can. Okay, so doesn't matter how you apply that, just go on as if. It's okay if you can't really put your arms around it, but just try it on for size. Bathe in that concept that maybe, just maybe I can. You know, get away from that word can't. It's a killer word, I can't. I mean, let's face it. When you say you can't, you're shutting the door. You're slamming the door on any possibility. So... Let's get rid of the word can't, and let's start practicing the word can. Even if you can't get your arms around it, we'll, we'll get into that in a bit. But I want you to start believing, risk believing that you can. Now, the second component in reaching your goals is the ability to handle some discomfort. First, Change, any change, 
is going to introduce some degree of discomfort as we move from our place of balance and security and we challenge ourselves with something new, something different, something more arduous, something more effortful. So you have to be willing to accept some of that discomfort. If you are not willing to put yourself in a place where you're going to handle that discomfort, well, what's going to happen? Well, what do you think? You're going to find yourself just whining, complaining, becoming negative and frustrated, and the same old, same old will put you back to square one. I used to run some marathons, and I remember way back in 1988, I was running the New York City Marathon. And the New York City Marathon begins on the Veranzano Bridge. And the weather predicted for the 88 Marathon was to be rainy, damp, and cool. So I thought, well, you know, this, this is the perfect weather for getting blisters on your feet. So I did some research, and I found this company selling these socks that were supposedly to, to ensure no blisters. Okay, so here we are on the Veranzano Bridge. The gun goes off. This is the first mile of a 26-mile marathon. By the time I reach the apex of the bridge, I had a blister on the whole ball of my foot. I mean, it was, it was torturous. And here I was within a half mile. This couldn't be. So as I kept running, I started to wonder, this is not comfortable. This is going to be painful. How am I possibly going to go 26 miles with this? So I began to wrestle with this discomfort. Now, I had been training six months for this marathon. So I wanted it. I wanted it badly. And I believed, you see, I had that first component. I believed I could. In fact, I believed that I could do very well. But now I had this problem to deal with. And I had to deal with the discomfort of this problem. What was I going to do with it? Well, at first, I just determined to just steal myself and put one foot in front of the other. And I started to weaken mentally. The pain was, you know, it was significant. So by the time I reached the Pulaski Bridge in Queens, that's the halfway mark of the marathon, I was thinking about how am I going to get out of this race and find a way back to the starting line where I had some family waiting for me. And I'm starting to think of all the exit doors in my mind, all the ways that I can give up on my goal. And it was just at that moment that I saw draped across a building off to the right. It was a banner, two stories high, draped across this building. And it was the now familiar Nike swoosh with the words, just do it. Now, this is 1988, and I believe, I may be wrong, but I believe this was the introduction of Nike's now famous slogan, just do it. So there I was, every step, squish on that blister, squish, squish, and I saw that sign, just do it. And I thought about it for a second, 
Yeah, you know, that, that kind of makes sense. Just, just do it. Stop complaining. Stop whining. Handle the discomfort. Just do it. And I started to just do it. And every time I wanted to stop, I just said, one more, just one more step. Just do it. Just do it. And I managed to finish the marathon. And when I took my shoe off, I understood why I had such trouble. But nevertheless, handling discomfort. Now, certainly it's not always, you know, the extent of uh, a blister on your foot. It, it could be just mental discomfort. It could be anxiety discomfort. Or it could be physical discomfort. But whatever the discomfort is, if you are unwilling to accept, to yield, and to handle discomfort, then you're going to have some trouble. I almost fell out of that marathon. I almost quit. You see, so you have to be prepared to handle the discomfort. So that's the component two. Now, the third component is perhaps the most significant. So we have a willingness to believe. We have handling discomfort. And the third component is handling mental sabotage. Okay. Now, you can anticipate what this is, but let, let me tell you another story about another race. This is a fantasy race. So once upon a time, there was a swamp. And this swamp had a wall built around it. And in that swamp lived a community of frogs. And these frogs had never seen what was on the other side of that wall. So one day the mayor of the community said, you know what, we're going to have a contest. We're going to get the strongest and the fittest of all the frogs in the swamp. And we're going to have them race to the wall and leap up and tell us what's on the other side of that wall. So the day of the race came. And five of the strongest, bravest frogs stood at the starting line. And there was a sixth frog, a rather small, frail, sickly kind of frog. But nevertheless, he had entered the race. And the mayor started them off. And with the start, they started careening down that path toward the wall. Now, one thing you don't know is that frogs are eternal pessimists. This is a fact, I'm telling you. Frogs are, by nature, pessimistic. So as the frogs, the running frogs, started to careen down that path, the spectators along the side of the road started to yell, No, stop! It's too far! It's too hard! You're going to get hurt! Stop! Stop! The frogs kept running, but the negatives kept being shouted out, you can't do this to yourself. And one by one, the frogs began to fall out of the race. Until finally, there was one frog left. And you guessed it. That was this small, weak, sickly frog called Thumper. Thumper kept going. The crowd kept yelling and imploring him to stop. What are you doing? You're crazy. Don't do this. And then right ahead of Thumper was the wall. 
and he's running as fast as he could, or jumping or leaping. I don't know what frogs do in a race, but, but he's running and running, and there's the wall in front of him, and he takes a mighty leap, gets about halfway up the wall, didn't make it to the top, but he holds on, doesn't give up. And the crowd below, they're hysterical. Please, let go. We can catch you. It's not too late. It's terrible. Don't do it. Don't do it. But Thumper kept inching his way up. Higher. Higher. And he got to the top. And Thumper looked over the wall. And he was the first frog ever in the swamp to see what was beyond the wall. Now, the reason Thumper was able to see what was beyond the wall was because he was deaf. You see, he was deaf to the naysaying. He was deaf to the pessimism, the negativity, the fear. He was deaf to all of that chatter. So when you're approaching a goal, there's going to be some hysterical frogs, no doubt. There's going to be some hysterical frogs trying to hold you back, trying to frustrate you, trying to convince you that you can't, that it's too hard to stop. So what do you need to do? Well, you need to turn a deaf ear to the negativity, to the insecurity that gets thrown your way. Now, you may not be used to standing up to sabotaging thoughts, but the truth is that thoughts don't own you. Your consciousness, your ability to differentiate between thoughts of sabotage, hysterical frog thoughts, thoughts of insecurity, and more mature, determined, goal-oriented thoughts, that's up to you. You can do that. You could make that separation. Facts from emotional fictions. Make the distinction. And with the power of your consciousness, you can decide, no, I'm only listening to these thoughts and not frog thoughts. You can do that. So if you're handling the discomfort, if you have a willingness to believe and you're willing to turn away from the hysterical frog thoughts, guess what? You're going to reach that wall. And you're going to get over that wall. So keep the three components in mind. And, and don't feel you have to start with a marathon. You know, make your goals, make them simple, and start off with some some really reachable goals, goals that can build self-confidence. Self-confidence is, is really critical. So that's why, you know, pick something like a closet. Clean a closet. Make that your goal. Get your bills paid from beginning to end. Get it done. How about sending that tedious email? See, the thing is, the important thing here is to prove to yourself that when you start at point A, that you force yourself to get to point Z. Now, 
That sounds rather cruel, I understand that. But what we're building here is self-confidence, follow-through. And what we want you to do is to be tenacious. Now, if you just go halfway and run out of gas, you're not building self-confidence. That's why I say start out with doable goals. Goals that you can reach and prove one after the other after the other and prove that you're up to the challenge. Steal yourself. Force yourself. Prove something. Prove that you can. See, now we're eliminating the word can't. Because once you go to A to Z, once you get that closet cleaned, once you get the bills paid and that email sent, then you could sit back and you could feel the sense of confidence. See, where in the past you would have given 15 or 20 different excuses for abandoning your task, now you've just proven something else. You can make yourself into a success. You can make yourself reach your goals. And why not? The only thing holding you back was pessimism, negativity, fear, self-distrust. All things that can be remedied with a willingness to believe, with an ability to handle some discomfort, and not listening to hysterical frogs and not sabotaging yourself. So what this all comes down to is developing self-discipline. Now, self-discipline, think of it as a muscle. No one's born with self-discipline. We, we develop it, or not. And if you're used to succeeding and reaching goals, then you probably have ample self-discipline. But if you're not, then your self-discipline muscle has probably atrophied. So it's time for a little, a little exercise. So cleaning that closet, sending those emails, or doing the bills, these are like going to the gym and getting some reps. Because self-discipline will respond. We're developing new habits. A habit of self-discipline. So when I ran that marathon, I, I had the discipline from the six months of training. But I hadn't really put my mind in focus. And that was back in 1988. I think if I were to run that marathon now... I wish I could. <laughs> I really do. But if I could, I think I would have had a much more resilient mindset. I don't think I would have want, been whining as much along the road and, and plotting as much thinking about how to extricate myself. I think, I think I would approach it differently. I think I would be more resilient, more willing to handle the discomfort, and more willing to see myself finishing. So, self-discipline, where's your muscle at? Does it need some strengthening? And what are you doing to strengthen it? There are so many ways we could strengthen self-discipline. Sometimes, you know, we can do it by just saying no to temptation. Proving that you can say no. Sometimes it's a matter of sitting on that couch and saying, you know, I'm going to go out for a walk and get some exercise. 
But that's not self-discipline. That's just a mental notion. Until you make your body move off the couch, a little discomfort, and start that walk, that's the rep that your self-discipline needs. And you need more reps. Just going to the gym and expecting your biceps to grow by showing up at the gym, it's not going to happen. It's going to happen by determined exercise over time. Now, that's an important point too. Self-discipline and your self-discipline muscle, you're not going to do that. If, you're, if you've been weakened by self-sabotage and distrust and self-distrust, all that kind of negativity and pessimism, if you've been weakened by that, those now have become your habits. So to develop the confidence and self-discipline we're talking about, we're going to be initiating new habits. So you need to realize that like the bicep, if you go to a gym, it's going to require that you go over time, week after week, and little by little you start to see strength. Then you start to see the muscle shaping and changing. So the results come incrementally, but you do become stronger. And life is all about that. Life is all about reducing, eliminating, and neutralizing negative habits. You know, our brains are structured that way. We're creatures of habit. Hey, if it wasn't so, you'd have to learn to tie your shoe every morning or button your shirt or blouse every day. You'd have to relearn that task. But we don't have to do that now because we've developed the habit. We've developed many habits, and we are habit creatures because it's efficient. Like I said, being efficient, using habits for good or ill, is what we do. But we also need to realize that when we become victimized by negative habits, then we're not steering anymore. Our habits are, our negative habits are. So it's time to replace the lethargy, the passivity, the pessimism, the fears. It's time to start replacing them one by one with an active mind. I always like to distinguish between active mind and passive mind. Now what's passive mind? When habits, which usually occur just below the, the threshold of consciousness, when habits ensue, we tend to just sit in the back seat and go along with that. Maybe it's a habit of negativity or a habit of self-doubt. But whatever it is, you know, our conscious mind is very passive, just allowing ourselves to be sabotaged by hysterical frogs. So we want to become of active mind. Who's in charge? Well, if you do nothing and you're passive and you're in the back seat, well, your habits and your insecurity will be in charge. And if there's one thing I want you to know is insecurity is probably the most destructive habit. It leads to all kinds of things, especially anxiety, depression. You know, it's the habit of insecurity that brings us to our knees. And I'll get into specifically that in different episodes of self-coaching, but for now, just understand that habits of insecurity, negativity, pessimism 
They require you to take that back seat. And if you're in the back seat, you're not in charge. Your habits are. And if they're negative habits, well, you know the outcome. You've been there. You've experienced the defeat and the frustrations. So now it's time to realize through active mind, you're going to change the script. And should I remind you once more, you're going to develop a willingness to believe, a willingness to risk believing. You're going to set your goals and laser-like, you're going to focus on those goals. And from the get-go, you're going to be willing to handle any discomfort associated with that journey. And then, you're going to handle those hysterical frogs. You're not going to let yourself be passive. You're going to grab that steering wheel, get out of the back seat, take that steering wheel, and just point yourself toward that goal. There isn't much that will stop you. Now, maybe that front door is locked, as we said earlier. Okay. You know, maybe you've been trying to get into a graduate program or a certain job, and you've tried, and you didn't get in. Okay. But there are other ways. There are other options. There are other jobs. So, in life, it's important for you to see that there are always options if you don't close the door, if you don't turn around and walk away. The only person that fails is the person that quits. Let's say you, let's say you want to get into a certain program. Or say, let's call it a graduate program. And they send you a rejection letter. So you turn around and you say, well, I failed. And you walk away, and that's it for school. Now, are you a failure in that case? No. Now, let's be clear. You've failed at getting accepted to that particular school or course, whatever it may be. But are you a failure? No. You are only a failure if you walk away, if you quit. Now, how do I know this? Well, let's say that you, you decide, okay, heck with you, buddy, I'm trying another school, or another, or another. You start sending out your, your resume and your, your applications, and you get accepted. And you go to that school, and you do well, and you come out of it with this fantastic degree. Now, what happened? Were you a failure? Of course not. Now you've succeeded. So you couldn't have been a failure if you've succeeded. If you can't get in the front door, there's a side door, there's a back door, there's a window. This is life. So when you feel there are no more options, separate. Is that a feeling or is that a fact? There are always options. Strengthen that self-discipline muscle. Strengthen your willingness to risk believing. Handle life's discomforts. And you know what? Everything that you dream of doesn't have to be a dream. Be realistic. Be determined. Be focused. But recognize that it's not life that holds us back. Never is. It's us. How you interpret your life. How you judge your life. What you say about your life. So don't be a victim 
Don't be a victim of life circumstances or frustrations. Be a winner. Reach those goals. Start out small. Be patient. It's going to take some time. But don't quit. Be thumper. When you reach that wall, don't stop. Don't stop. Keep going. Take a look. Find out what's on the other side of your wall. Be sure to visit my website, selfcoaching.net, where you can learn more about my self-coaching philosophy and check out my number one best-selling books, now published in 10 languages. So until next time, realize that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. By definition, victims are powerless, and you are not powerless. Remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join me each week and let's make it simple together. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. 